this is what church is. This is the body of Christ. This is what happens in a body of Christ. In one minute, you're celebrating with someone who's on the pinnacle of, of life. And in the next minute, we're, we're weeping with someone. And in the next minute, we're praying for someone. And in the next minute, we're on mission at some point. And that, that's what the church is. And that's kind of what we've been talking about. And what, I mean, it's kind of funny that today that's the passage that, that God had planned for us so long ago is to talk about what it means to be the body of Christ. If you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter four is where we'll be. And as we're looking at it, what we're trying to determine today is what does it mean for us to be a faithful body of Christ, a growing body of Christ. You remember that Paul is writing this book to a group of people perhaps one church, perhaps several churches, because sometimes these letters were circulated in Ephesus and he's trying to address a few things with them. And he's saying to them about what they're doing, you need to understand what it means to be the body of Christ where you're at. Now, when we talk about the church, we're talking about two things often at the same time that, that mean a little bit different things. We often talk about the church and we mean the church universal. We're not the only church. We're made up of, of believers all around the world, the universal church. But we also talk about the local church. And as Baptists, the local church is really everything to us because we talk about this local church autonomous in its nature that God planted so long ago down on 8th Avenue. Now here we are. And God is doing something here. And I want you to see what it means for us to be a growing body this morning from Ephesians chapter four. Let's read verse 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Now, when we started in chapter four, we've already seen how God had a very specific purpose for the church, and that's that the church would grow into all fullness. And to do that, he gave the church the gifts, the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, and said, they are here to help you do that. And you are part of this. And last week we saw that we're not measuring ourselves against anybody else. I'm not looking at you. You're not looking at me. Christ is the standard for that and we uphold him. And that's why I wanted you to see that verse again because the standard for living in our lives as we're growing and being established in the faith is Christ. And in verse 15, he kind of stops by, by saying it's him who is the head and he says it's Christ. And verse 16 says from him. Well, from who? From Christ. That's very important for us because if we're gonna have a church and we're gonna be a growing church body, Everything starts and emanates from Christ. And, and I want you to understand that. It's very important that we don't miss that and that we don't get it wrong. For the believer, Christ is everything. He's the beginning of everything because God the Father is who we want to have the relationship with, but we can't unless it comes through Christ. He's the head of the church. And we've been learning that throughout the entire study in Ephesians. Do you remember that chapter one said that God had given us these spiritual blessings through whom? Thank you those five of you who are awake this morning. God had given it to us through Christ. He gave it to us through Christ and sealed those things in us 
through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So when we look at that, if we're gonna grow as a church, and I'm not talking about us growing in numbers, although that's certainly an outworking of what it means to grow in a church, you would expect that a growing church would have people introduced to Christ, saved by Christ, baptized into Christ, that, that, that we would expect that. But we're not talking about just trying to grow in numbers or, or build another building. I don't wanna build any more buildings unless God leads us to do that. That's not just the idea is let's just do more, more, more. We're talking about here what it means to grow in the body. Well, that starts from Christ. It's built on Christ. It emanates from him. And when we talk about Jesus, we need to understand his place in all of this. His place as God's son, king of kings, lord of lords, alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. And those names give us insight because Jesus, as he's referred to, it sheds light on it. You know that oftentimes people would come up to Jesus and they would say, good teacher. Do you remember what Jesus would say to that? Um, why do you call me good? Only God is good. He was, he was throwing the lure in the water, wasn't he, trying to get them to take the bait. I, do you see who I am? I'm God. I am God incarnate in the flesh. I am God put on flesh for you to see. And when we understand that, Jesus was not trying to just be a teacher. He is a good teacher. He's a perfect teacher. He's absolutely a good teacher. But that's not ever how he refers to himself. He never says, you know, I'm Lord of all, I'm good teacher. And it's so much bigger than that, isn't it? Because a lot of people want to take Jesus as good teacher, but God wants us to see that he is his son who has been, who always will be. And if we start to diminish that view of Christ, we're missing something. Sometimes we diminish that. And, and a lot of religions do that because they take Jesus and they say, well, yeah, I believe in Jesus. He's a good guy, good teacher, good example for us. We should watch him. He was created by God. Please don't come tell your pastor that. You'll break my heart. He wasn't created by God. He has been. He always will be. Genesis 1.26, let's make man in our image. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They have always existed. Our God is one. Three in one, we say. So when you understand that, a diminished view of Christ starts to mean that, that we're growing in, in a wrong way. And if you build something on anything besides the cornerstone, which we were just singing about, it starts to be wrong. Now you recognize you can grow for the rest of your life. The problem is that you've stopped growing and there's only one way for you to grow. Right? There's a point where you're growing, you're feeding your kids all this milk and all of that stuff. I never understood that. You know, when I was growing up, we had milk for dinner every night. Here's spaghetti, have some milk. Ugh. It's awful. It's like why you have corn with spaghetti at elementary school. What were they thinking? Right? I mean, it doesn't work. Why do you feed these kids milk? You're trying to get them to grow up. You're trying, trying to make them strong. Now, we talked about last week that your, your doctor doesn't want to get you fat. Your pastor wants you to be fat. Remember that acronym? Faithful, available, teachable. We want you to be faithful, available, teachable. Because if you're faithful, available, teachable, you'll be growing. So when we look at this, if we build our church on some gimmick or something else, we take a diminished view of Christ, we can grow, but it's like a person. Your doctor's going, you're not growing the right way. We, we, we need to grow the right way. This is important. You need to have a balance of this. And so it's all built on Christ for us. And that's where the church body starts. It starts with Christ. If we build it on anything else, guys, it won't last. Let's build it on worship. Nope. 
Let's build it on a program. No. Let's build it on, on changing up things and make things. No. Build it on Christ. Everything starts with him. And as we do that, then we begin to see that we're this church body. And I love this passage of scripture. I want you to see it in, in, in verse 16 again. He says, the whole body's fitted and knit. I love that. You're, you're, you're fitted and you're knitted, you know? And, and some translations of that uh, say that you're joined and held. And, and both are great. But fitted and knitted gives us such this beautiful illustration for us to see. And and I I bet you probably remember this. If if you've been here very long, we've read this passage of scripture and and it comes up every year as we talk about right to life issues. I want you to see it again, but it's a beautiful picture of what God's doing as he's building the church. Let me read Psalm 139 verses 13 and 14 for you. I want you to see this. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. If you learned that in the old days, you learned fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. What's it speaking to? The psalmist is speaking to that great work. This is why, by the way, we say that life begins at conception because God is fitting and knitting He's doing something. He's doing a work that's supernatural in someone's life for them to be able to have a child. And this picture, as it carries over, think about that for just a second. As as Paul talks about a body now being made, you know that he's thinking about the psalmist's words. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And he's saying now that you're a body, you're fitted and knitted. Now, when we talk about fitted and knitted together, it's really important for us to see because, you know, if, if you're fitted together... It's something like, you know, you, you have to make it all make sense. Now, what I mean by that is that you get a little chip off of you, I get a little chip off of me, and we start to fit together a little bit. I think sometimes we don't like that process. But it's very, very important. And, you know, that's a little lost on us because manufacturing today is so good that there's very few things in your life you buy that you take home that aren't plug and play. If I went to the auto parts store and said, I needed a starter, and they said, here you go, and I got it home, and I got to drill the bolts and stuff, it's not going to happen. It's a bad day. But our manufacturing tolerances are so good, we, we just plug and play these things. But in the church, we're being fitted together. God brings people in, and we make room for them because they bring in a different skill set that we didn't have. And, and we look at them and think, well, my goodness, our church is missing something. And that's why God brought them here. And we rub up against them and we have to kind of get used to them. They get used to us and we get fitted together. And then when it talks about knitting, think about what knitting is. The definition is literally that you're interlocking loops together to, to, to make a unit of something. You take yarn and you ever seen somebody knit? They're making loops to, to maybe make you a sweater or a, a hat or something like that. And as they do that, it becomes strong together. And the idea of us being interlocked together becomes very important. I want you to turn with me or, or look on the screen to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I've mentioned this passage of scripture several times because it's really the outworking of what Paul says about the body of Christ. And you've heard me talk about it because I'll say, you know, how can the hand say to the eye, I mean, I don't really need you, I'll get by. Now, it's easy for us to sometimes think that that, that might be true even in church that there are some people that have gifts that are a little bit more visible in the body of Christ and some that are not quite as visible. And what Paul's saying here is that we're really dependent on one another, like your body's dependent on all of the things that God has given you 
Some visible, some invisible. Some that you feel like are very important, maybe to be able to see. You'd say, well, you know, I'd, I'd rather not be able to use my left hand than use, you know, lose my left eye or something. You, you might say that, but the truth of it is they're indispensable. You gotta have them. You can kind of get around it, but listen to what he says in verse 24. Instead, God's put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable so there would be no division in the body, but the members would have the same concern for one another. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. You get what he's saying here. A body of Christ that's been fitted and is interlocked together like that, joined together. When somebody's down, we go down with them. When somebody's suffering, we suffer with them. We, we weep with them. We mourn with them. We pray for them. We cry with them. And, and the amazing thing happens, and if you've never experienced this, uh, it, it's not a blessing that, that I would hope you'd get to have. Uh, I, I hope it's a long time before you experience it, but it will happen in your life. There'll be a day when something happens and, and you'll be just wounded by it and weeping. And maybe what happens is that your life group and your church, they come around you and they start weeping with you and all of a sudden you'll find it, your tears dry. Why is that? It's because someone's suffering with you. Someone's meeting you at the point of need where you're at and they're understanding that and they're bearing that burden along with you. And it can't happen if we're not interlocked together. It doesn't work that way. In the same way, name me a place in the world where if you come in and say, I got a promotion, you know, everybody's happy for your life group class. If you come in and say, man, I, I just, I've been praying for this job and I got it and I got a promotion. Do you think that happens at work? When you get a promotion at work, is everybody happy for you? I don't know. They might look at you and tell you how happy they are and then go in the break room and talk about how you didn't deserve it. How sorry you are and how they deserved it. And, but here, when you're up, we're up. When you're down, we're down. And, and, and we ride that wave of emotions together because we're interconnected. We're locked in with one another. If you're not, it makes it very, very difficult. Have you ever seen a swift water rescue where someone is in, in the water and they form a human chain, right? Interlocking arms. If you don't know what I'm talking about and you're old enough to remember this, think Red Rover, Red Rover. It's a game that we should still play, actually, because it's one of the few places in school you can clothesline somebody and get away with it, you know? Uh, you just pick that person that really made you mad before lunch and you say, Send Johnny on over. Let, let's go. Right here, pal. Laying him out, you know? I mean, but, but you understand, you, you interlock together, right? That's kind of what the idea is. Hold on. And as you start stepping out in the water, what are you trying to do? Well, the strength comes from us being together so that we can grab somebody and help them out. Pull them out as they're struggling. Pull them out as they're weak. And, and the, the interconnectedness becomes really, really important. Now, now here we talk about that. And we talk about the local body and, and we're meaning church membership when we talk about that. That's a word that is a little bit foreign to most believers today. In fact, many churches are started today and they just do away with church membership. My dad preached here for many, many years. You know that if you've been here for a while. And, and one of the things that he used to say that always just kind of stuck in my brain was, you know, if you've been visiting here for a very long time, but you're not a member we don't know what your intentions are and it makes it really hard to know how to treat you and what to do with you because you can't really serve anywhere so you're not helping the body. 
And, you know, I mean, I don't know if I should come to the hospital when you have a, like, should I be there? Am I your pastor or I'm just the guy that speaks on Sunday? What, what's, what, what's our relationship to one another? Are we interconnected, interlocked like that? And, and when you think about it, it it's part of, part of what's going on, I think, in, in our world. It was really explained to me a number of years ago. A, a friend of a friend came by my house one day and he was a layperson, part of a church plant down in Nashville. And I, I had never been there, didn't know much about the church and said, tell me what's going on in the church. How do you like it? He was telling me all the good things God was doing. And then he said, you know, but one of the things we're really struggling with is this kind of poly church kind of thing. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking. What does that mean? What is poly church? And he's like, well, we have people that come to our worship service, but then they take their kids to this other church for children's ministry and then they take, their, 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 their small group is at this other church, and then they go do men's events at this other church and women's events at this other church. And he said, it's making it really hard for us to build up what we need to get going, you know, to be a full church. And, and listen, part of that uh, that we experience, and we experience it here too, I kind of nodded with him. I was like, I know what you mean. That's a consumeristic mentality about church. You know, kind of like, I, I look at Nashville, and Nashville has great churches, so I'm going to treat this like a buffet. I like this over here, and I'm going to take this over here, and a little bit over here. And, and listen, the, the problem with that is, we can't fulfill the great commission that God's called us to do if everybody's a taker and nobody's locked in with us. And that's really important that you understand that. It still matters here for us. We, we want you to be part of the family or part of a family here. I mean, we're not the only one. I'm not saying that. But I am saying you should be locked in somewhere where people know you. I went to this funeral yesterday. And, um, you know, one of the things that I often think about with funerals is that uh, I want my funeral to be packed. I want y'all to cry. I want you to miss me or at least act like it for a week or so. But what I really want to have happen is what happened at this funeral. Uh, a pastor's worst nightmare is often when somebody says, let's have open mic. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. Somebody said, as we celebrate Stephen Martin's life, let's have anyone that wants to share come up and share. And the first two were pretty good. And then this guy kind of gets up and he's kind of doing this. He's super nervous. And he looks over on the front row at the family that's sitting there and he says, I don't know what his name was. He says, I'm Jeff. And he says, I used to date Steve's daughter who's sitting there with her husband. And I was like, whoa, where's this going? You know, that's why we don't do open mic night. You know what I mean? Like that, that's the whole reason. So I was sitting there with Bob and Judy Freeze and I looked over at Bob and I was like, yeah, it just got right in here, didn't it? You know? And this guy says to the church, he says, you know, I wanted to date their daughter. And uh, Mr. Steve said, no. He said, I was a, a guy, I was a heathen man. And Mr. Steve said, if I wanted to see her, it can only be at church. And he said, I basically thought church was a bunch of junk. And he used two letters to describe what that junk was. And I thought, oh my goodness, it's really getting sporty in here. You know, where are we going from here? Then he started crying and he said, if I'm any kind of man today, husband or father, it's because I got saved going to that church. And then people started getting up, young and old, 
There was an eight-year-old girl that got up and said, I'm always going to remember how Mr. Steve taught my class and loved me. A young mother got up holding a baby and said, Steve and Kay's influence on our lives has been profound. My husband and I moved here and we have these two little kids and they've just invested in us. And the guy got up and started talking about serving in men's ministry with him. And then a deacon got up and started doing, you see, a life that's interconnected builds on other people's lives, right? I mean, it, just, it starts to do these things. And, and, and that really becomes our responsibility with it. So I say that to say, like, you can't do that serving out in the peripheries, just kind of showing up and checking the box for the hour this morning. It doesn't work that way. You, you've, got to, you've got to become interconnected for that to happen. And I hope that happens at your funeral. I hope there are grieving people there who look at your life and say, man, my life is better because I knew that person. That person invested in me. That life was better. And, and that gets to what Paul's talking about here. He says it's a church body. And then he says we have a responsibility to do just that. Notice what he said in, in verse 16. I, I want you to see it again because it's so important for us. From him, the whole body. And this is a little confusing because of the way it's written. He says from him, the whole body. And there's a comma there. And he says, fitted and knit together by supporting every ligament. A comma there, promotes. So from him, the whole body promotes. What? He's saying that it promotes the growth of the body. The body promotes the growth of the body. For building itself up in love in the proper working of each individual part. What's he talking about? He's saying that you have a responsibility. And guess what? It's not mine. Look to the person to your left and right. It's not theirs. It's yours. It's your responsibility. I can't do it for you and you can't do my part for me. But if we're gonna be this body that's growing, what starts to happen is as we rub shoulders with one another and we're fitted and knit together like that, the body starts to grow and it builds itself up by doing the proper working of the individual part. And that's what I mean when I say there are these things that are visible, but they're not indispensable even if they're invisible. And here's what I mean. Have you ever seen somebody like with a brace on their hand and they can kind of get around? They, they can kind of, kind of move through life and work around the brace. That's visible. You can see it and you can kind of deal with it. What's invisible is your spine, right? But if you've ever had a, can I get a witness to a hurt back this morning? You know, you know how great that feels that you can't brush your teeth, comb your hair, tie your shoe, turn to the right, turn to the left because everything hurts, right? But nobody can see that. Nobody can see it. But is your spine important? It's indispensable to your life. You, you, you can't get by without it. You have to have it. But so oftentimes, we only think about what's necessary at the church are these things I can see. Well, somebody who would teach a life group class, I can see that. Somebody who would play an instrument. Or, I mean, I, I, I happen to notice that we had a little bit of um, kind of synergy this morning. We had, you know, a soloist up here singing who placed in the Baptist Bake Off so she can sing and bake. And Liz was over here and she's playing a, an instrument and she placed in the Baptist Bake Off. And, a, and you just think, well, she can do it all. I mean, I can't, I can't do anything, you know? And both of y'all, shame on you because you didn't bring your pastor any of that. But I, I, I say these things to you, those are visible. But it's indispensable that you're here doing what God's called you to do. Even if you might not think it's visible to everyone else. I'm so grateful that as we walked out a few minutes ago, there were people 
ushering us outside. I'm grateful that somebody went and turned off the fire alarm. I'm grateful that when you walked in this morning, hopefully somebody greeted you. Somebody's working the next steps desk. Somebody's translating right now. There are a lot of things that are going on that are invisible to most of us, but they're very, very important. And if you're not doing your part, if you're not serving the body, we're not growing like we should. It's not promoting them. And so you have this enormous responsibility and it's not on my shoulders. It's not on your neighbor's shoulders. It's on your shoulders. It's yours and yours alone. And so if we were kind of just to boil all this down, how do, we, how do we become a church that's growing? And I keep saying this to you. Do you understand the importance of just showing up? It's massive. Why? Well, you're gonna walk out here and you're gonna rub shoulders with somebody. And you never know if they're just going to say something that God has been using in their life and God has that for your life too and he's going to speak a word to you just through a passing conversation. That's us being fitted and knitted. It's important to show up when, when we have fellowships. Is the fellowship important? You know, like what it is? No. What's important is that you show up. It's important that you... You show up and, and you worship with us. Have you ever been to a congregational singing and you were one of five people? That's really awkward. In fact, it's painful because nobody showed up to sing a solo. Just showing up. Your life means something to the life of this body. There's no insignificant life. An eight-year-old girl speaking at a funeral is just as significant as the senior adult that was speaking at that funeral, the pastor that led that funeral. Every person that showed up was, was bearing a burden with that family. Just showing up means so much. Can you imagine if your foot decided to sleep in this morning? Have you ever woken up with a foot asleep? That first step is fun, isn't it? Whoa. I feel like you need to sit down, right? And if it just stayed asleep that day, like, you know, I'm just going to lay, lay out today. You don't need me. You have another one, hop around. You don't need that hand. No, the parts are indispensable for one another. We're not who we need to be as a church for not doing that. Show up, serve your part. It's important. What you do here is massive. And if you're not serving, why not? Why are you sitting around with gifts and just soaking it up while everybody else is serving? That means we're not getting better. That means we're not growing to where we need to be. God's gifted you for his body, this church. And I guarantee you, you probably have some kind of weird, crazy thing. And it's not a spiritual gift. I don't mean it like that. I mean, you know, you say, like, is baking a spiritual gift? I don't know. Maybe it's an act of service. I don't know that that's listed as like in, in spiritual gift type thing, but I bet you have something that you have thought is insignificant and God's going, why are you using that for us? Why are you, why are you giving back to the body with that? I gave that to you. Use it. 
Take the next steps class. Take the serve class. Take the grow class. Take the giving class. And in fact, we're, we're trying to make that easier for you. This week, we're going to be recording those and putting them in an online format so that you don't have to wait in between the times we do them live. If you want to jump in there and get it and figure it out, we want you to because we want you to serve. We want you to show up and serve. But then just as important, we want you to grow because if you're growing, we're growing. If I'm growing, you're growing. If I'm not growing, you're starting to pull dead weight, right? I mean, I need you growing because God's gonna use things that he's planting in your life to make me better. God's gonna use things that he's planting in my life to make you better. As we grow together, the church begins to grow, the body begins to grow, and it gets better. I said this to you last week, and I really mean it. If we treat this like a leisure time activity, then that's what it will be. It'll just kind of be a, a pastime that doesn't really produce much. Once in a while, I get roped into doing things that are totally outside of the norm for me in leisure time activities. You do too. Sometimes those are frustrating because you haven't done them in a long time, right? The skill diminishes. It doesn't seem like it it's as comfortable as it used to be. And you're not as good at it. If this is a leisure time activity, guys, we're not getting anywhere. The body, together though, there's nothing that stops us from fulfilling what God has for us in reaching people and discipling them and seeing them grow into fullness in Christ. And that's why we're here. I'm asking you, to really dive into that during this season. To really dive in to understanding what your part of the body is. If you've been kind of hanging around on the outside, don't do that anymore. Join with us. Come be part of us. Let us know that you're in so that we can lock arms with you and, and be together with you so that we can serve alongside you and you serve alongside us and make us who God intended us to be. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. You know, as we talk about everything emanating from Christ and being built upon him, it's important for me that you would understand this morning that apart from Jesus Christ and a relationship with him, we don't have anything. In, in fact, that's actually the barrier of entry that would keep somebody from joining our church. You have to know Christ. He has to be your Lord and Savior. You have to have recognized that you have a sin problem with God and that you have offended a holy God and are under his judgment and that Christ has died for you because God loved you so much. He looked at our helpless estate and knew there was no way out. We'd never get it right. So he sent Christ. Christ lived a sinless life, died on the cross in our place. And because of that, we can be saved, forgiven, and our relationship with God the Father restored. And if you've never done that today, I want you to do that. I want you to know him. That's what our church is built upon. We're not a, an activity center or a place just trying to give you something to do. We want you to know Christ and for you to be changed by the power of his resurrection. Church, I ask you, will you again commit to weep with those who weep. 
to mourn with those who mourn, to step into uncomfortable places with people who are struggling and just be willing to sit with them and and bear them up, love them. Give your lives in the service of our heavenly father at this place as he's appointed us in this time and in this space. Father, we're, we're just mindful that you're trying to do great things here. And Lord, we don't want to be on the outside looking in. We want to be part of a growing body of Christ. We want to see you do great things. Father, I pray that you would just help us to show up, to serve where you've given us gifts, Lord, and to grow in such a way that this body of believers grows into fullness, into all you want us to be. For the one that doesn't know you, Lord, we pray for them. Draw them, Lord. Save them by the power that you alone have. And Father, we just look forward to seeing how you're going to continue to use us here to be the visible church for the world to see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.